2: You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground,
3: picked up by TJ Ward at the four yard line. Vaughn Miller
2: did it again. On Overtime Media. Mile High Hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I'm your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me as per usual is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle, senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Tricklin dude. I cannot... Quell my excitement for what is happening now in Broncos country. First off, training camps over tomorrow night. We have the first preseason game. We're going to see these this Broncos, or at least a part of this Broncos team, in action against the Dallas Cowboys. Dude, are you as excited as I am, or uh, you're just kind of rolling with the waves here?
4: Well, I'm really excited. I mean, football's back. I've been watching it over the yes. last couple couple days. I mean, watching the Ravens and their steal of a pick in Travis Jones was absolutely frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, with how good he looked, along with some of the – well, I'm trying to think. Linderbaum didn't play. Ojabo's still out. So I guess Travis Jones is the one who – like the big one watching them. And they're absolutely being completely spoiled with the backup quarterback position. So it's great to see. It's great that football's back. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what these players are. I love the preseason because I love seeing how these young guys and these rookies step up, these guys fighting for the roster spot. Who steps up, who doesn't. A lot of that plays into how you make the roster, which is what's so exciting for me.
2: And that's really the big thing. And, you know, Nathaniel Hackett actually said something to this effect uh, the other day, and it was not necessarily about the starters. It was mostly about um, the, the games as compared to, like, the joint practice that they just had with the Dallas Cowboys yesterday afternoon. Um like that's that joint practice is huge like it's a big thing to be able to see those starters out there and to see some not really game action but pseudo simulated uh situational football aspects and stuff like that these preseason games are really to kind of decide who's going to make the tail end of this roster who is guy you know 45 through 53 and who potentially makes the practice squad and stuff like that like th- this first preseason game is always so much fun, especially for guys like you and me who want to do the, the deep dive information stuff and, and find out, you know, the players that we've watched in college, the, the way that they're kind of growing up and stuff like that. It's always so much fun. I remember my, uh, my dad and I, went to uh, the, the very first preseason game under the Peyton Manning era when they played the Seattle Seahawks. And that was the same season that Russell Wilson was drafted to bring this full circle. Uh, and he was competing for the quarterback, the starting quarterback position for the Seattle Seahawks. And we watched him completely tear it up albeit against third and four stringers. But still, like, to be able to watch this style of football is just so much fun, man. I'm I'm super pumped. Cannot wait to see the the tail end of these roster guys just go at it and and have some fun and get out there and get into some real game time situations.
4: Yeah, only thing that you always want to wish for is that you come out injury-free from preseason games. I say this as Zach Wilson, the quarterback for the Jets, is down on the field. Oh, And from how word on Twitter is, is that it's not looking good. And not to make light of the situation, I never root for anybody to get hurt. I don't like seeing players get hurt. Um, he's having a bad showing before that. Stare down a guy, through an interception, and you actually can catch Robert Saleh. um, Sally Saleh?
2: Sala? Sala, okay,
4: Robert Sala. He actually mouthed, "I can't believe he threw that." Mm. So like, that's not a good showing. But I hope everything's okay with um, with Zach Wilson and the Jets. But got to say hello to people in the chat real quick. Albert Knopper is saying, good evening, guys. Mailboxes are almost completed. Hey, that's great to hear. I'm super excited for it and can't wait to see it. And then trust me, I'll definitely post a picture of that and everything. Albert, thank you. We appreciate that. And I know Lance does as well. Yes. Got Jeremy Bales comes in saying, sup, guys. Sup to you as well. Lawrence Rivera. Woohoo, guys. Good evening. Can't wait till tomorrow. It seems like a projector night. Hey, I mean, I've always wanted to watch a football game via projector. Um. Always been something. I've always wanted a projector and doing all my TV and stuff like that. So enjoy it. I mean, it's great that football's back. Kevin Gray, evening Broncos, Country Lions. Eric, Scott feel a little better about O and D line. Let's ride. Unfortunately, Scott's not with us tonight. Kid has one of his kiddos has a soccer game. So he's out for that. And it's just us rolling for us. And Elias Eli says, has says hashtag three MVP. Let's see. I mean, let's hope that Russell Wilson can get, you know, MVP votes and that MVP award
2: yeah man it so it's crazy you know what we gotta we gotta say hello since we're saying hello to everybody we do have to give a quick shout out guys before we can jump back into this to our wonderful sponsor uh our uh presenting sponsor tonight manscape guys uh fellas fantasy football draft season is right around the corner so make sure you guys are nice and clean and proper and and trimmed up the way that you're supposed to be uh and get ready for uh everything that manscaped offers for you guys they're the leaders in below the waist grooming and beer trimming and stuff like that they've created a championship lineup with their performance patch, package 4.0 so guys join the six million men worldwide like eric and i who trust manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com for 20 percent off and free shipping with the code mhh
4: yeah and you guys can go and you can get their performance package 4.0 where inside of it you'll find a lot more 4.0 i have the 3.0 i really like it You can get the Weed Whacker, which is their ear and nose hair trimmer. You can get some deodorant. You can get some toner. You can get those really awesome box of briefs that Lance and I have both absolutely gushed over on this Mm -hmm. show. And their travel bag, which I absolutely love. And I have some traveling coming up, and that's for sure going to be what I I use for my bathroom stuff. So make sure you guys go check that out. And again, you guys get 20% off and free shipping with the code MHH at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code MHH at Manscaped.com at manscape.com it's time to put you know everything back in order down there
2: yeah uh one couple of quick things here really fast gotta say hello to phil mclaughlin jumping in here good evening eric and lance really excited for tomorrow gotta see how these new guys show hashtag let's ride absolutely um i want to go back to this uh, this comment here from uh elias eli bernal uh, say number three MVP. I, I heard some of the uh, over under betting lines for Russell Wilson, and you'd be kind of surprised at the just the numbers that they have projected for Russell Wilson. And I, I, I guess maybe not surprised, but more of uh, from us, like there, there's a better understanding of what is going on here. Like the over under on the Vegas line right now for Russell Wilson passing yardage is just 4,050 yards. To me, that seems incredibly low. The over under for passing touchdowns is. 31 and a half i think which again seems incredibly low eric what do you think about russell wilson in this offense at least for right now we'll we'll get into the main part of our conversation here in a minute but i want your take on this
4: um let's see here i think russell wilson's career high was just under 4500 yards Mm -hmm. um so what 4050 yards i think 17 games
2: in 17 games yeah i think
4: I think that's a little low. I mean, I understand there's concern about it. I have an article up that The Athletic did. They pulled 50 NFL general managers, executives, a combination of people, coaches, coordinators. And one of them made a comment about the uncertainty of the weapons in Denver. Now, this poll was done in end of July. I think it was like July 25th is when the article published. So before Tim Patrick's injury. And even with Tim Patrick, there was still a concern about the receiving core. Now that he's hurt, it's even more. Because is Cortland Sutton really back? He looks like he is. Will Jerry Judy take that step up? What are we going to get out of KJ Hamler? Who's going to step up to replace the reliability of Tim Patrick? So there are concerns with it, but again, the quarterback makes the receivers better. I think anything less than 4300 would be a little disappointing.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. But what about the the 31 and a half touchdowns? Like let's see, his last full season, I believe he threw 40 total touchdown passes, like and that was uh, 2019, 2020, something like that, uh, where he was in the MVP race. Uh, Lamar Jackson won it in a shocking fashion, if you ask me. But, I mean, when you're a 1,000-yard rusher and 4,000-yard four, uh, 4, passer and all those touchdowns that Lamar Jackson had – Russell Wilson threw for 4,400 yards and 40 plus touchdowns. Like it, it's it's crazy to me to think that he's not at least capable of doing that in an offense that features him specifically. Like they're building this offense around what he does and around what the, the receivers do to like to see him not meet 31 touchdowns is a little uh, super low to me as well.
4: So sorry, his career high for total yards in a game is 4,219 or for in a season. Um, And 40 touchdowns, his average seems to be like that low 30s, um, 34, 35, 34, 31, that range. Um, So I think in 17 games, 31, I don't think that's too far off the the path there, especially when we consistently hear Nathaniel Hackett um, mention that they want to be a running oriented offense Mm -hmm. and use that to really help open up the passing game, which is old school. And I don't agree with that kind of philosophy. Um, you use the passing game to open the running game. um I think that it's gonna be a lot of situations where they're gonna get down you through the air, get close, and then turn to the running game to try to cap it off and if that doesn't work, then you'll see the pass come in um so I think I think thirty to thirty five is a fair assessment for total number of touchdowns,
2: right, and as Albert Knoppers jumps in here again and says that would be less than two touchdowns a game, and I mean, yeah, I less than two touchdowns a game sounds pretty rough from a a franchise quarterback, especially when you see guys like Aaron Rodgers and whatnot, but the the NFL as a whole, I mean, Eric, if you could pull this number up really fast since you're the, the faster than this, um, what was just last year's touchdown leaders? I mean, I know Tom Brady, I think, had 40 or something like that. Uh, Mahomes had 37. I think Josh Allen had 36, 37, seven, something like that. So
1: college can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a thousand dollar savings plan deposit for sixth through twelfth graders. Sign up today at slash register.
2: As an agribusiness expert with Alliant Energy and a farmer, I know how important it is to get the most out of your land. I know that also applies to getting the most out of how your farm uses energy. That's why Alliant Energy offers free farm energy assessments. With a farm energy assessment, someone like me will find all kinds of ways to help you save money and energy. We can even connect you with rebates to help make energy equipment upgrades even more affordable. Schedule your free assessment at AlliantEnergy.com slash farm
4: energy assessment
2: less than two touchdowns a game seems to be mostly the norm for the NFL.
4: Seven quarterbacks had more than 35 in, last year. Mm-hmm. Josh Allen had 36 to Tom Brady's 43, Matthew Stafford, 41. Uh, Mahomes, Prescott, and Rogers were tied at 37. Mm-hmm. Um, so like being on that pathway, I mean, being up around Joe Burrow, 34, Kirk Cousins, 33, I still think that is a fair number. Um, There's going to be games where he goes and he probably gets three, maybe four touchdowns. There's going to be games where he only gets one. Um, It's just the way, the nature of the NFL. He's not going to go out there and throw two consistently.
2: No. Two touchdowns a game, that's like what? Uh, Obviously, you said, uh, top seven, I believe is what you said, because with seven more than 35, so that that would be top seven in the NFL. If you can get Russell Wilson on that, I think this team has a a really good chance of uh, being potentially in the playoff run. Lawrence Rivera, Rivera jumping in here saying, as much as I'd love to see Russ dominate tomorrow, I think we should rest him and our stars and let the younglings prove that they can be here. Eric, what do you think?
4: I definitely agree. I don't think outside of certain starters, I don't think there's a reason to throw most of them out there. I do want to see Russell Wilson at some point this season for a series or two, um, just because he's he he um, what is what's the term Hab- habitual learner, the repetitiveness of it, and just getting that couple little bit of those few reps can help him in the season and go in there and show Seattle that they made a mistake by trading trading him away um so i do want to see a couple of them but for the most part i mean i don't we don't need to see justin simmons we don't need to see patrick Sertan. no nope. um i don't really want to see bradley chubb out there no nope. um garrett bowles i think you're fine sitting i do want to see the rest of the offensive line out there though of the projected five starters um because i think they can do the most um need the most time to sit there and continue to gel um i want to see josie Jewell out there i want to see jonas griffith so outside of a handful of starters I don't see the need for it. Cortland Sutton's one of them. Um, don't really want to need to see um, Pookie or Gordon out there. No. I want to see all the tight ends. Jerry Judy, I think needs to have a few series, Yep, um, but not many like, you, cause you don't want to risk them to getting hurt, but some of these guys, they yep. need that extra, extra little bit of time.
2: Yeah. Maybe a series or two for some of these guys, the one that, and maybe this is uh, a recency bias and whatnot. And it's kind of a difficult situation because I know how you feel about Lloyd Cushionberry, but maybe that might be a guy that you don't need to see out there right now with, no, uh, you do. with, with, well, I, I just, I, I would hate to see Lloyd Cushionberry be the guy that goes down right now. Um it, it seems like Graham Glasgow is still kind of fighting his way back. Um Luke Wattenberg is not necessarily picking up the the scheme the way that he needs to. He's kind of struggling to come around right now. Lloyd Cushionberry, at least, you know, that he has the, the, uh, the experience needed and has had a little bit of a rapport with Russell Wilson. That might be the one guy that I'd be like, I could be okay with him sitting down. I'm. He, you you got to have
4: him. You got to have him out there to show that he can handle the con, the concepts of the running game.
2: That's fair. That's a fair that, point.
4: That, That's That's why you have to have him out there. That's a It fair is point. completely different than what he's done the last two years. Um, last year, he, we got to see a little bit of him in this outside zone scheme because uh, Pat Shermer could make his mind up on what he wanted to be. But with it, you gotta see, it. and you gotta see him gel and work on that chemistry with Dalton Reisner and Quinn Miners, who are projected at guard. Because last year, like, there was a constant rotation of it because Graham Glasgow got hurt, and then Moody went in, and then Glasgow came back, then Miners, and then Reisner got hurt. Like, you just didn't have a lot of time to see them gel. I'm not saying a lot of series. Cushionberry is one of the ones that just a handful of them, and I would say probably like no more than two in each preseason game. But you want to see it. Dalton Reisner, I want out there longer. Quinn Miners, I want out there longer. Calvin Anderson should play a good portion of the game, honestly. Um, with how he's been getting spanked in practice. Yeah. Um But yeah, you got you gotta have it down there. He's the center of the offensive line. He is a core piece in the whole unit kind of gelling together.
2: And that's a fair point. I I guess I didn't think about that. I was mostly thinking about the injury concerns. Obviously we saw the Browns with Nick Harris go down today. Ryan Jensen just went down um, early in training camp. So to to keep at least the one starter that you know is capable of playing the center position, at least right now, that would be something to at least shy me away from that. But I I understand and agree with all your points guys. We're not going to continue to talk about this though. We have our ongoing conversation about the, uh, the the 53 man roster projection and last week we talked about the interior defensive line we have the offensive line already done skill position players obviously quarterbacks and running backs are done if you guys want to go check those out go to uh mile high huddle's youtube page you can find all of that or wherever you guys get your uh find your favorite podcast uh apple podcasts uh, wherever that may be i got Kevin coming in here um but uh Anyways, today, guys, we have the the off-ball linebackers and the edge defenders. Kevin, you need to hush, buddy. Uh, Off-ball linebackers and edge defenders. And it it quite honestly is a very wonderful conversation to have because this edge defender group is kind of in a little bit of disarray right now. Obviously, you have Randy Gregory who hasn't practiced yet and has been – he's been – dealing with the shoulder surgery and stuff like that. Um, he, uh, we have Bradley Chubb, who has been uh, coming off of an injury. We don't necessarily want to see uh, him out there for the most part. But then you also have the questions of Nick Benito coming in here, uh, Baron Browning and the, the potential impact that he has on this team. Um, you also have Malik Reed and what he is supposed to be doing. So, Eric, I'm going to let you take this away for just a second while I get Cavin out of here and uh, talk about this edge group just a little bit.
4: Yeah, I mean, the edge group, I mean, it looks really strong. And being able to see practice yesterday against the Cowboys um, from the angle that was on the Cowboys broadcast, they looked really good. Um, Bradley Chubb, he looks legit. He looks like he's back to that um, caliber, of player that Denver thought they were getting when he was drafted. Then all the injuries started piling up on him. Um, So that that's very promising because Denver last year, it's been well harped on about how they struggled to get consistent pressure. That was needed. Um, Kudos to the defensive line. They did a good job of helping out not just the edges, but the linebackers, eating up space. Um, Mike Purcell, one of them, I think last week we were talking about it, and the defensive line, I think Mike Purcell at this point has got a spot on the roster. Um, Even though it does sound like they do want to find someone cheaper and younger and healthier, it's just a matter of there isn't an option, um, which lands Mike Purcell on the roster, but back to the edges, I mean, Baron Browning, he's looking like a legit option at edge. Um, seems like that he's going to be mostly spending his time there. Nick Benito had a good day against the Cowboys, and I want to see it transfer over, but I want to see him step up. He's one of those guys that we know what he's capable of as a pass rusher. His run defense is what's been questioned, and it has been consistently reported that he's been struggling there. People I've spoken with have been talking about how he's consistently um, struggling there. we got to see him step up against the run, against the Cowboys tomorrow night. We have to because right now – he seems on the cusp of being more edge five than edge four.
2: Yeah. The biggest thing to me, and I'm not sure what all you said there, but the, the biggest thing to me, as far as the, uh, the edge is concerned is Malik Reed. Uh, he, he signed his unrestricted free agent tender, two point four three three million dollars So, that becomes fully guaranteed as soon as he lands on the opening 53-man roster. So this is a a big thing for Nick Benito and Baron Browning, who has moved from his traditional off-ball linebacker position to come and be an extra edge defender. And from all accounts at practice, he sounds to be like a guy that is really stepping up. He's showing the bend. He's showing the pass rush ability. He's showing a lot more strength against the run and setting a firm edge than what Malik Reid has always shown over the last three seasons of him being a Broncos. So to me, with Nick Benito, there's issues with him against the run as well. But if he can show out like he did against the Dallas Cowboys this, in training camp the, this last practice on Thursday, there's a really good opportunity for them to solidify their spots and kick Malik Reed off of this roster potentially as a trade candidate.
4: Yeah, definitely. And based on some conversations I've had with people close to Denver and around, you know, different organizations and stuff like that, his name has popped up a lot. He talked about it before um, about how when he had um Tim, go troll someone else, man. Like, dude, the fact that you're trolling about a Twitter thread yesterday, like, go troll someone else. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh... um, Yeah. Oh, I forgot my thought for a second. Um, you're, you're good. Uh, there, there's been, there's been plenty of talk about him potentially being moved elsewhere. Um, when he, he talked about it, when, before he signed his tender that he, there was other teams interested, but that he kind of wanted to return to Denver because the other teams, they may have been willing to give him more money, but he wanted to come back because he felt that there was something going on there, which, Hey, that's great. But it's a thing of, you still got to go out there and you got to show um, that you can do it, which he's looked pretty well. I mean, he's looked good. He's, been with the first unit quite a bit. But it's just the thing that seems to be that they're bo- trying to boost his value for a trade.
2: To me, I think the most uh the most notable thing that we've seen in training camp has been th- the emergence of baron Browning. And granted, guys, this is without Randy Gregory. Randy Gregory is obviously dealing with that uh that sh- shoulder surgery and everything. He's coming back from that. He was not he has not been out there from practice. It sounds like he's going to be ready for week 1. But at the same time, Somebody has to step into that role. And when Baron Browning is on the field, it just seems like he has been a much more effective pass rusher and also run defender than Malik Reed, at least to this point. Eric, have you heard anything different than that?
1: College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits for sixth through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a thousand dollar savings plan deposit for sixth through twelfth graders. Sign up today at slash register.
4: Um, on what
2: uh, Malik, uh, Malik Reed is compared to Baron Browning. Baron Browning's been pretty much outshining him this entire time in training. Yeah.
4: Him. Based off of what I've what I was able to see in camp yesterday and what I've heard from other practices. In, take with a grain of salt. I've only been able to watch one practice, and even then, it was bad angles, and they were cutting between both fields. Um, Baron Browning looks better than Malik Reed has, and that's been pretty consistent from conversations I've had with people who have been there at practice every single day. Uh, Baron Browning is outperforming him. That Baron Browning seems to be poised to be that number three edge rusher, potentially starting in the ca- starting if Randy Gregory isn't ready to go right away. Um. So definitely that seems to be the thing. And that seems to be kind of why um, Denver was willing to bring Malik Reed back because added insurance. Baron Browning was moving to a new position. They hadn't drafted um, Nick Benito at the time. Then they're able to draft Nick Benito and it really helped keep the edge room a strength for it. And now that they've seen what Baron Browning's able to do with the, after the position switch, after they've seen what Nick Benito has done as a pass rusher, it does. It makes somebody like Malik Reed a little bit more expendable.
2: Yeah. So, Besides those guys, obviously talking about Benito and Browning and Malik Reed and whatnot, there's a, a, another couple of guys, one being Jonathan Cooper, a guy that I was really high on this last season. I thought that he played tremendously in, as a backup in the, in the spot duty that he was able to see. But another guy that I know you're really high on, another guy that we know that Dwayne Stukes, the special teams coordinator, is high on is Aaron Patrick. What? can they bring to this team as that maybe fifth and sixth edge rusher if the Broncos want to go in that direction and only keep four off-ball linebackers?
4: So the biggest thing is when you're looking at the edge position, that fifth and sixth guy, they have to contribute on special teams. Yes. Um, no idea if Nick Benito can do it. We haven't seen it. Baron Browning, same question. And those are guys are projected to be your third and fourth guy at the moment. Uh, maybe they're your fourth and fifth if they do decide to keep um, Malik Reed. So you got to have somebody who can be a core special teams player at the bottom of the depth chart. That's where you make your special teams unit. That is where part of why I think that Jonathan Cooper and Aaron Patrick have the edge. Every time that Dwayne Stukes has been asked about core special teamers or a special teams play, Aaron Patrick has been consistently mentioned. There's been some chatter that he absolutely loves what Aaron Patrick brings um george payton also spoke highly of what um aaron patrick brings to special teams so that is one reason why i think that i don't think it, he's cemented as a, as a, on those roster but that's why i think he does and then you can still he's flashed those traits that you can work with as an edge defender that you can still continue to work with and develop and the same thing with jonathan cooper you can still develop them as they're being contributors on special teams
2: Yeah. So I want to move this conversation back just a little bit. And Colby C. Collier jumping in here. Nothing to say, just showing some love. And Colby, we definitely appreciate you for joining us. Thank you all for joining us. And speaking of somebody who hasn't been on here in a while, but has been a guest on our show, uh, Jeremy Black Knight. What's up, man? Good to see you back in the chat. Um, it, it's always fun to have some of our uh, some of our regular people. We've got also Eric Eric's number one fan here, uh, Boo Iowa. He says this is going to get Eric on a on a tizzy here because we we love Nick, but uh, Boo Nick as well. Uh, who's going to be preseason's game one MVP? I want to grab this really fast.
4: Um, it's preseason. Like, don't really care much about who the preseason game one MVP is going to be. Ideally, it's somebody that's fighting for a roster spot, but the
2: the one the one that I really want to see the most probably, and I'll, I'll put it this way, is Montrell Washington and Brandon Johnson. Those are the two guys that I want to see the most and see exactly what they look like on the field in game action. Been seeing a lot of highlights, but I want to see what it looks like in terms of release off the football and stuff like that. Their ability to go and make those contested catches and in, in big plays and everything like that. Um, I want to move away from that, obviously. Uh the the one thing that I, I want to kind of get at here is how does this edge group really kind of relay with the off ball linebacker group? Because obviously you have Josie Jewell and you have Jonas Griffith and Alex Singleton, who was a priority free agency signing with from George Payton coming over from the Philadelphia Eagles, but you have four. Like you you need to have a fourth one. Who is that guy right now? And is it potentially just Baron Browning ba- bouncing back and forth from the off ball and the edge position?
4: Um yeah, I mean, it seems like that there is a clear gap between Jonas Griffith and Josie Jewell and then Alex Singleton for the third spot and then a massive gap wider than the Grand Canyon for that fourth spot. I mean, it's between um, Malga, the undrafted free agent out of USC, um, Justin Sernaud, and then uh, Barrington Wade. And honestly, I mean, such a team is going to be big for that. We have no idea what Malga can brings there. He did all right there in college. Justin Sernod and Barrington Wade weren't the best. Um, right now I have it being Justin Sernod, but it's a situation where there's been multiple reports of the Broncos looking at linebackers. Joe Schobert was one of them. Supposedly there was some interest in Anthony Barr, though not as close to signing him as some made him out to be, that there just was some interest. Um, so I think that this is a position, position where we can really see them look to upgrade, potentially, you know, a late trade, um, for somebody that's possibly going to get cut from elsewhere, waiver wire, somebody gets cut, you know, last minute pickup kind of thing to try to improve it. Because right now it's like, the question is, is who really is that fourth guy? Because no one really seems to have a solid hold on that spot yet. And it seems like the Broncos kind of agree with that.
2: So is this a a situation where they do keep six edges and name uh, Baron Browning, that sixth edge, like, uh, uh, and use him as that that hybrid player where they do slide him back off the ball and really not not like solidify his one role where he sees the field in multiple different facets.
4: I mean, I don't think that they're I don't think that the plan is to really have him in a major hybrid role. Occasionally use him there, but I think it his ability to play off ball could make them comfortable of only keeping four linebackers, keeping six edges and having him be that emergency guy to play off ball if they need it, to be right. that kind of stack linebacker if they need it.
2: Right, and this actually kind of ties into this conversation that Albert brought brought up here just a few minutes ago. Do you think that we'll see Chubb, Browning, Gregory, and Nick Benito show up on the same play sometimes?
4: Um, you definitely can get a little bit creative for that. You can put Browning as a stack linebacker one of the two with Gregory and Benito as your two outside edges, and you can put Chubb with his hand in dessert as kind of a five technique. Um, I think you'd have to be very cautious of the run in that instance. Mm -hmm. Um, So it'd have to be like an obvious passing situation, but it's definitely a possibility that they have available to them.
2: I I guess you went in a little bit different direction than the way that I thought you were going to on that really fast, because to me i would like to see chubb and gregory with their hand in the dirt maybe not as as pure five techniques but maybe a five and a seven something like that with uh, benito and browning playing a little bit off the ball and then you're gonna bring one of those guys as like a blitzer maybe up the middle in the a gap or the b gap something like that and the other one turning and dropping in coverage because Baron Browning was actually fairly solid last year playing in coverage. So to me, I I think that that might be another way that you could use him. And I was actually very surprised with Nick Benito and his ability to play in coverage back when he was at Oklahoma. So uh, that's kind of the way that I was thinking. So you think that they would put uh, Chubb down with his hand in the dirt as like a maybe a four-eye, three technique into your defensive lineman? Or five technique, Okay. Gotcha. Well, I, well I, I'm just trying to maybe spitball a little bit here. Do you think that we could see him line up a little bit inside and attack yeah. uh, as a guard with speed, speed to power?
4: Not unless it's a stunt.
2: OK, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. It, 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 that, I think that there's a lot of different ways that you can utilize the players that the Broncos have as edge rushers and linebackers. And with the, with the athleticism that some of these guys have, I think you can get a little bit creative if you really wanted to i'm with you there um in pure pass rush situations certain long i i might like to see chubb slide
3: some people were made to follow the instructions we were made to make our own to always measure twice and never cut corners unless of course we've got a compound miter saw northern tool and equipment is a problem solvers paradise there's nothing we can't find, fix, or figure out together. We're made for this. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration's pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by
4: America First Legal.
2: Just a little bit inside of the tackle, though.
4: The issue is, is for that, you have to be a complete freak. Um, Trayvon Walker type. Right. Um, Miles Garrett and Bradley Chubb is just not that that's fair Um, so it's just a thing of like you don't want to move him too far inside I don't think he can handle it for the first part and then if you do I mean you're just completely opening yourself up to a run up the middle um as strong as he is he's not strong enough to hold up against a double team because again he's not that freak like Trayvon Walker is or Miles Garrett or some of these other you know elite of the elite pass rushers right yeah um he's just the guy that he does well on the edge and he does well against the run on the edge Um, But he has consistently had issues against double teams on the outside. And so you don't want to move him inside where he's likely to deal more. Um, And then with the other options of it, I mean, you could also drop back um, Nick Benito into a stack linebacker kind of position Mm -hmm. and show with Browning and show Browning and Benito potentially tackling those A-gaps with Gregory and Chubb on the outside. Right. And drop one of them into coverage and try to catch, you know, the quarterback sleeping a little bit. Um, so, again, there's plenty of options for it. I just like the way best. I mean, you have um, Benito as a seven technique. Chubb as a five technique with his hand in the dirt. Gregory as a seven technique on the opposite side. And then Browning as an off ball. Um, I think that's just playing everybody to their strengths a little bit more. Right. Um, Nick Benito's issues as a run defender, I think, can help be covered because of Chubb's strength there. And then Browning with his versatility to drop in coverage and do all right. To blitz up the middle that we've been able to see already. Um, and his ability as a pass rusher, I think it just again it plays to everybody's strengths a little bit more
2: right i i just i just really like the the idea of using nick manito who likes to guess a lot like there's there was a lot of that at, at oklahoma where he liked to guess a lot and really attack a gap so to me you get him off the ball a little bit let him guess and and just kind of use that athleticism that burst and that explosiveness that he has to attack a well, gap in the running game and and utilize that to me i think might be it, it, it's a sub package sub package thing where you're not going to do that as a primary thing. Um, maybe 10, 12% of the season, 15%, something like that. Like you're not going to see that all the time. I think that there's some value in having that ability though.
4: Um, And the college against college talent against college um, competition, you can get by by guessing. Right. NFL, you can't. Yes, exactly. So it's a situation of, I don't want Nick Benito off ball all that often unless it is a situation of you're dropping into this zone or you're attacking that gap. Yep. And so you're limiting the options by placing them as an edge with somebody like Chubb in front of them. Right. Um, Albert Oppers comes in and says, if they pick someone, after um, pick up someone after the cuts, it should be a right tackle. Why not both? I mean, they, they need help at right tackle. They could use somebody to upgrade a linebacker a little bit, the depth of it. They, they can bring up more. I mean, there's looking at the depth chart with how, with my projection of it, there's enough options at the bottom of it with that you know that 50 50th to the 53rd guy that you can pick up a couple people and look at upgrading the depth at certain positions linebacker right tackle being among them
2: no i'm i'm definitely with you on that and i want to ask, ask you a quick question i'm i'm fairly certain the answer is going to be yes to this but do you have a projected 53 man roster potentially coming down the pipe here at milehighhuddle.com
4: um no article um okay. i'll probably tweet something out eventually um but, you know, just looking for more information. Preseason games are such a big important, are such an important factor for it. Right. Um, so want to catch those preseason games before I do something about it. Not like the last few years where I've done, you know, one after, like, before every game and seeing how things have changed. Right. I'm keeping track of, of stuff like that behind the scenes. Um, but I don't want to do anything before it. And K-Hop came in. Fortunately, we hadn't had a question about this up until now. <laughs> no, so did anyone yet. ask about Roquan Smith? K-Hop, no, you are the first. Um, and honestly, as good as he can be, I don't see how Denver can get him. They're limited on draft picks. George Payton wants picks. That's why I think certain players can be potentially moved, um, for additional ammo, but spending picks to go get somebody and then paying him when you have a quarterback that you're trying getting ready to pay. Um, it's just a, a situation where I just don't see it happening. Not saying it doesn't make sense. It does. Um, just a little complicated to make happen. And then he asks about Tevin Jenkins. Tevin Jenkins, I'd be okay with, but again, it matters. What's the cost for him? He seems in the doghouse there in Chicago. Are they going to ask too much for him? Um, Those are all concerns for it because they're going to ask too much. Denver's kind of out by default because they don't have much to offer.
2: Um,
4: And then I do question, I'm not a big, I, I liked Tevin Jenkins in the old scheme, but in the new scheme, I'm not the biggest fan of him.
2: I'm with you on that. I want to grab this this comment from Andrew Baker really fast because Andrew's been a, a huge supporter of the show, of all of the MHH shows, and, and we met him at the uh, Mile High Huddle meet and greet. He says, what's up, Valley boys? Uh, with right tackle still a problem, does Russ roll out or step up in the pocket more? This is actually a very good and pertinent question going back to the Tevin Jenkins comment. Um, honestly, I, I think that with the way that this offense has been working, you're obviously going to see with Russell Wilson – He loves to that spin out tendency where when pressure comes off the edge, he spins out the opposite direction and vacates the pocket. I think what you're going to see a little bit more this year is him stepping up into the pocket and delivering over the middle of the football field. I think that's by design, quite honestly, because in the, the old design of the, the Pete Carroll offensive system, and it, it's not Pete Carroll's offensive system. It's his offensive philosophy. Keep everything consistent and conservative. Work everything to the boundary. Don't try to push the middle of the field. And if you can break, contain and get out and throw the ball deep down the field. That, to me, leads me to believe that with what we're seeing now, especially with Albert Okuwebinom over the middle of the field, Greg Dulcich in the short limited time that he had, um, even with Tim Patrick when before he went down with his ACL injury, it seems like the Broncos are actually targeting the middle of the field with Russell Wilson more than what – was expected with Russell Wilson based on his past. So to me I think you're going to see Russell Wilson step up a lot more and vacate vertically rather than horizontally and get out and spin out to the outside because they want to drive those vertical shots deep down the middle of the field and not towards the boundary. Eric, what do you think about that?
4: Um Russell Wilson's not the best as a peer drop back passer.
2: Right, that's so you, want, you want
4: so you want to avoid doing that. And when your right tackle such an issue being able to help buy more time with your legs is something that is also a good thing to do. Um, Albert opera says the blue thing that he's pointing to in his profile picture is from last year's greet and meet or meet and greet that I posted with y'all singers. Hey, that's pretty cool. Albert, um, a yeah. little bit small for us. So we couldn't quite tell. Um, but now that you mentioned, it, I can definitely see how that's, that's what that is. That's awesome. Albert. Um, so, Thank you for supporting. It was awesome meeting you again. I wish I could make the meet and greet this year, but unfortunately, you know, I've got a wedding that I have to go to next year to it's got to save up for that.
2: Yeah, so if you uh, uh, if you go to Albert Knoppers on his Facebook page, it, that's his profile picture now. It's it's absolutely awesome. Um, and thank you, Albert, again. And tell Michelle that we said hello. By the way, tell her tell her we said hi. And it's it's always great to be able to talk with you guys. Um, let's see here. I want to go back really fast. Uh, actually, we got Jason O'Neill here jumping in here. What's up, Broncos country? It's been a minute since I've been able to catch the show live. And thank you, Jason, for jumping back in. We, re- we recognize you, and we appreciate you for ch- for coming back to us. Uh, I'm loving the energy and hope the energy carries over to the regular season. Hashtag Let's Ride. I th- Right there with you, man, and thank you for and, again for joining us.
4: And having a quarterback that's not going to put you to sleep is definitely a big reason for that energy. So it should definitely carry over into the regular season.
2: Yeah. Uh, I mean, Russell Wilson, <laughs> as corny as he may be, which I don't think it's corny. I think it's actually genuine. He wants to no, it's- that. <laughs> It's like, corny it can be it's genuine and it can be corny
4: at the same time. Like oh, they're not mutually exclusive. Like it's definitely corny, but it, the thing is, that helps make it so corny is that it's still genuine.
2: Yeah. I want to go back to the uh the Roquan Smith and Tevin Jenkins conversation really fast just because those are two big big storylines. Um, Roquan Smith has been constantly leaked by national media to come to the Denver Broncos. Um, as seemingly the one move that makes the most sense. But it doesn't, as for a lot of the reasons why Eric lined out. You've already you've already traded your first and second round draft pick for last year and now this upcoming year. Um, you don't have the cap space because you got to pay Russell Wilson a absolute ton of money, and Roquan Smith is wanting out of Chicago because they can't come to an agreement on a deal that would make him the highest paid linebacker in the NFL. It's just not gonna work. Tevin Jenkins, on the other hand. That one I might be able to get on board with. He's still on a rookie contract. He's only in his second season. Yeah, the struggles may be a little bit uh, concerning there, and Eric brought up some scheme fit and stuff like that. However, is it potentially worth taking a flyer if the cost is right? That's what I want to know. What do you think the cost would be to bring in Tevin Jenkins, and would you be willing to give that up?
4: Well, it's a good thing you ask, because I have an article up at milehighhedle.com that talks about five potential trade options on the offensive side of the ball and four on the defensive side of the ball. Devin Jenkins is one of them, and it basically talks about if the price is right, it's worth taking that flyer because the depth is Cameron Fleming. Like, if Elijah Wilkinson was available, I would take a, be willing to take a flyer on him Ooh. again because it's Cameron Fleming. Uh, like, man, that's... That's not a thing of how good Elijah Wilkinson is. I know that is how bad Cameron Fleming is. So, yeah, I mean, if the cost is fine, if you can get him for a player for player trade, like, um, some maybe something like based around Malik Reed um, for Tevin Jenkins, maybe with a something like that. Like, yeah, like it's worth taking the shot and seeing if you can make him work in the scheme. But yeah, outside of that, like, so and then K Hop came in and says with timmy p going down it's kendall hinton or montreal washington wide receiver four um based off of conversations i've had with people that have been at practice it seems like it's a combination of people montreal washington is getting first team snaps um from what i've from what these people have told me is that kendall hinton and brandon johnson are just getting a little bit more brandon johnson seems to be really pushing for that wide receiver spot which lance is one that you've been kind of pushing for a little bit Mm -hmm. um so it's good to see and i think that it's going to be a matter of multiple players, multiple um, formations, multiple looks replacing Tim Patrick, but it seems to be Kendall Hinton is wide receiver four now and Brandon Johnson, Montrell Washington are five and six.
2: I guess the one reason why I keep bringing up Brandon Johnson's name is because size and athletic profile wise, he's the one guy aside from Tyree Cleveland that brings you at least that same kind of skill set of what Tim Patrick does. I'm not saying that it's a direct replacement, but if you want to have that prototypical Z receiver, a guy that can play out in the X and and play on the boundary specifically, maybe slide him into the um into the the big slot and that that power slot that seems to be all of the rage at the NFL right now. Brandon Johnson seems to be that guy. And at least he's healthy because Tyree Cleveland's still dealing with that throat injury right now. So to me, that's the guy that I'm really looking forward to seeing specifically in this game against the Cowboys. And it sounded like he had a fairly decent practice against the Cowboys, second and third string uh, cornerbacks. Granted, you don't want to just insert body type, physical profile, stuff like that into the offense. You want to find the best players. If I'm asking for a guy that, I, I used this example last week, your lineup dice, right, scat, right. X stick F follow S- specific play. You got the X on an out route. If you want to have a guy like a Tim Patrick running the out route, the big body receiver, jump ball kind of guy, Brandon Johnson is the guy there. It's not Kendall Hinton. It's not Montreal Washington. So it's a spe- to, to fit the specific role. Johnson is the one that I would like to see out there. If you want to then get more into the, the big scope of things, Jerry Judy's probably going to be that guy and they're going to bring Kendall Hinton, Montreal Washington, KJ Hamler onto the field as that slot guy. That's the way that I'm probably going to project the way that this goes.
4: Yeah, and one thing too is like the NFL has changed. It's not a situation of we're gonna try to fit square pegs into round holes. Exactly. It's you're adapting your offense based on skill set. So you're not trying to find somebody that is perfectly replicable of or perfectly able to replicate what Timmy or what Tim Patrick can do. It's you're looking for what guys can you insert the most without completely shaking up the offense. Mm-hmm to offer something complimentary to the other receivers exactly i mean you're not going to find somebody who has the combination of patrick speed reliability and athleticism and size you're not going to find that very often so you're not going to be able to replace it um so you're not trying to find somebody who can do exactly what he does it's one of the ways the nfl has changed which speaking of the nfl change there's been a debate between dylan and jeff Noyes in the chat about the NFL, the old style NFL, where you know, big defense, running game, um, hard hits, and um, against the modern NFL, which is better. Um, I'm curious to get your take. What era of football do you like better? For me, I prefer this era like much more to the old style. Don't get me wrong, I love defense, I love the big hits, but the way the NFL players used to put their brains on the line, literally, and are we're seeing the repercussions of that. Like it's hard to love that style of play, like because they're they've literally put they literally put their lives on the line. There's more being done for that, and the game is faster. It's more athletic. It's more exciting now. Defense, like as much as I love it, points are what's exciting. The big plays are what's exciting, and we just get more of that nowadays. So for me, it is better. And Jeff, as you and Dylan can, we can agree to disagree on this as well. It's just in my opinion, it's now it's better nowadays.
2: I. I'm actually with you and with Dylan on this one, and I'm not sure exactly what Dylan has said, but the the thing to me that makes this day and age of NFL much more fun and exciting to watch granted um, TV replays and stuff like that replays of trying to find older football is, is already hard enough to do. To me, it's the creativity. And it's not just offensively. It's not just the, the, the formations, the, the play designs offensively. It's defensively. How are teams now trying to, to combat what's going on offensively to find the, uh, the the perfect mismatch to the perfect mismatch? Like You've got guys like, going back to this, a Roquan Smith or maybe a Darius Leonard, a guy that can play in coverage against tight ends. That was the big thing five, six, seven, ten years ago was finding that athletic tight end mismatch that you could work over the middle of the field because he's bigger than any safety you're going to put on him. He's uh, he's stronger than any linebacker you have. How is defending uh, defensive football evolving? And I think that right now with especially with what we saw with Vic Fangio, the, the bend but don't break. Offering up a lot of different hybrid zone coverages, hybrid hybrid blitz stuff, and stuff like that. Defensive football right now is actually in a very good place because we're starting to see another evolution to counteract the offensive the offensive production and stuff we've seen over the last five to seven years. To me, this NFL rather than the we're just going to run straight power gap and uh, what it, what was it the the Hank Stram offense of the the sixty five Kansas City Chiefs sixty five toss power trap. Right. That, that's the, the, the big play that everybody knows. Um, Everybody knows that in the, the old day and age, you're just butting heads. You're just being yeah. physical and beating the hell out of each other. In today's game, it's more strategic. It's, it is more like playing chess as compared to checkers of the 1960s and 70s.
4: Yeah. And I do agree with this comment here that uh, miss the rivalry of the old days. Now it's let's swap, swap jerseys. I agree with that. I miss yes. the rivalry of it. those It made games now more exciting. I mean, we still know there's a rivalry between the Broncos and the Raiders, but you don't feel it as much as you used to. Um, and that is one thing that I definitely um, agree with there, that I prefer the rivalries of the old days. Yeah. Um, hal came in asking about, since we've talked about this here, what are your thoughts on Ojemudia getting beat yesterday? Very disappointing. Are you still high on him, or does he, or has he just not lived up to the hype? Um, so coming into training camp, he was very hyped up after some really good showings at OTAs yep. and minicamps. Since camp has started, he's been disappointing, and it seems like Damari Mathis is poised to lock up that fourth cornerback spot. However, it still seems that Moody is poised to make the roster as that number five corner. Um, one thing has been is that he's been working in place of Darby with the starting unit pretty consistently. Um, so... I don't think that in the end we see him as cornerback five. It still seems that he's poised for cornerback four, but Mathis is definitely pushing for it for some clarity there. Uh, Mathis could end up winning it, but he's disappointing. And getting beat yesterday, the one was just a great route by CeeDee Lamb. Uh, Like it was just, it was an exceptional route. And that is a thing that it would be hard for anybody to beat. And CeeDee Lamb had a really good day yesterday. He even got a couple big passes on Patrick Sertan as well. Um, and one of them that he, and there was also one drop too. Um, so expectation as chase comes in and says, didn't expect him to contain CD Lamb. No, it was a tough matchup. I wish that we saw him more. There's multiple times where he had good positioning, but he didn't use his hands to combat the catch point. And that has been a consistent complaint throughout camp so far. That is where he has to improve on. And if he does that, he could look far better. He wouldn't give up as many catches but we're just not seeing that from him. And that is a situation that is very concerning for his development.
2: I'm I'm right there with you. And it goes back into the, the conversation that I've tried to have with you. This, this hot take, if you will, of Michael Ojemudia, potentially being a guy that the Broncos would have at least thoughts about moving on from. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but based on what we've seen with Damari Mathis, that was obviously George Payton's draft pick, fourth round draft pick, the developments of, uh, guys like Fayon Hicks, guys like Esseng Bassie, who's really been bad. So that goes away from there, but bless on Austin, a guy that has some more versatility with Ojemudia struggling. It could be a conversation where we've got a few guys here that could potentially be a trade piece, maybe move on from a contract. Maybe move on from a guy that isn't one of the guys that is currently on this, this head regime, the, the, from the general manager down, George Payton, uh, Nathaniel Hackett, Ajiro Evero. Like, there's a there's a conversation to be had here for sure. And Ojemudia has to start playing better and, and especially using his hands. I watched multiple times of him, multiple clips of him, be perfectly sticky in coverage, but he doesn't get his hands up to fight the ball. He doesn't get interceptions. Tabari Mathis had an amazing diving interception. Granted, it was against Brett Ripon the other day, but he had a, 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 a play where he drove on the football, dove in front of the receiver, and made a diving interception to take the football away. Ojemudia doesn't have that right now. There's a conversation here that we can have for Ojemudia potentially being on his way out of this team. I don't think it's going to happen, but it's definitely there.
4: No, there's no conversation for Ojemudia being on his way out at this point.
2: Right. No, 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 no. Sorry, again, as a trade piece, a, a guy that you can use... I don't think
4: there piece. is a conversation there. there. It's a simple fact of, despite how disappointing he's been and Mathis is looking no other corner that can play the boundary right has stepped right right up. right, right, right. That's plus fair, Austin that's hasn't fair. been that great Donnie Lewis hasn't looked that great thequa right. Mcmillan has been a complete disappointment um Theon Hicks is looking good but it's been at the slot and you don't really want him on the boundary because the dude's like five foot two um so it's not a conversation <laughs> of trade at this point after the season maybe okay depending yeah. on how the season goes but right yeah. now it's just like you d- with how much George Payton loves the cornerback position, I don't see him willingly making it weaker, even if it is to add some draft picks.
2: That's fair. That's fair. And that's probably a better way of addressing that take that I've had. I'm just, I'm curious as to how they're going to deploy. I just want to know
4: why you hate Mudia so much. Like it's something deep, personal, like, you know, in your loins that you just hate Mudia.
2: I can tell you that really fast before we get K Hop, and then we got to wrap up the show, guys. I can tell you exactly what it is. It's because he went to Iowa and screwed Nick Kendall. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Nick. Love you, buddy. It's uh, it's nothing personal. We just have to play this. Uh, K-Hop, Anyways, the final in here, question uh, is: Go ahead.
4: Go ahead from K Hop before we get out of here. Is how did Mike Brussell look today? From what I saw, he looked good. He had a um, a couple big plays. I mean, he really helped. The defensive line, the other defensive lineman, the edges, the linebackers. Um, there's been a lot of promising talk about it, that. He looks like he's back in his 2020 form, strong, you know, powerful, qu- um, decent quickness for his size, and that's good to hear. I mean, it was just a matter of is he going to bounce back for that and be worth the cost. Sounds like that he is at that point, which is good to hear. I mean, I like Mike Purcell. I was glad they brought him in, and it's good. Um, and Chase says that play where Chubb hit Ezekiel Purcell was the one who blew up that play, if I recall. I believe that is correct. Yes, I can't remember it for sure off the top of my head, but I believe that is correct. Yep. And it's just thing of Purcell just does what's needed on the defensive line. Last year, he got a bad rap. Um, I mean, he, he didn't he didn't um, change his play style after it happened, but losing the linebackers really hurt his play because his play is last year was really uh, tack this gap hard try to shoot the gap and blow up the run behind the line of scrimmage and the linebackers will cover up if you hit the wrong gap. Sernod, Kaiser, right? Micah Kaiser. Yeah, um and, Wade, uh, all those other linebackers, they just couldn't do it. Um and then he started getting banged up and that affected his play and it just took a while for him to change. So it's good to see. I think I would I think don't think he's going to be a starter on this defensive line. Um I think DJ Jones is poised to be that starting nose tackle with Williams and uh, Draymond Jones opposite um outside of him. But I think Mike Purcell is at a good position to make this roster at this point, even despite the cost.
2: Yeah. Uh, Two quick questions. One, um, what do you think of Mike Purcell playing two-gap as compared to uh, single-gap penetrator?
4: I think he's fine. I think he's fine as a two-gapper. I mean, that's what he's – from what I saw at practice for yesterday, that seemed to be what he was doing most of the time was two-gapping um and that's the thing with his strength and everything if he's back like he was in his 20 2020 form um he can two gap even probably even better than he can one and a half
2: yeah uh next question here and i agree with you on that by the way uh next question here and this is gonna be the last one to wrap it up because i have a article coming here on milehighhuddle.com uh four storylines to watch we've covered most of actually the entirety of that article tonight but i do want to ask your opinion on this game tomorrow against the dallas cowboys what are the the biggest things that you are looking for the biggest storylines that you want to get everybody to kind of have their eyes on and and take away from this first preseason game against the dallas cowboys
4: so this is kind of a little bit of a convoluted one but it is can the stars in training camp carry it over to in-game performance. And are those guys who are struggling in training camp, does that carry over or are they one of those players that they struggle in practice, but they stand out in games? Because Jonathan Cooper last year, um, I remember talking to people that he struggled a little bit in camp and then he came out in games and started showing up. Um, So you kind of, it's who steps up in the game that hasn't been in practice and who carries over those good practices into game and who kind of fades away. Um, for lack of a, the best example of this and in a way is Tim Tebow. I mean, we all heard about how terrible he was in practice and then games came and he just managed to help the team win games. Like obviously he wasn't that good of a quarterback and they won games because of the running game that they had, but it's, who's going to be that, that kind of player that practices so bad. But when it comes to game time, they're just a, essentially a different player.
2: That's actually a pretty fair point. It's not something that I put in there. I mean, there's a little bit of that aspect in there, guys, and make sure you check it out. It's going to be up, I'm guessing, tomorrow morning. Um, four four storylines to follow as the Broncos go up against the Dallas Cowboys. Um, check that all out there uh, at milehighhuddle.com. And with that, guys, we're going to get out of here. Thank you all for joining us on the Dove Valley Deep Divers Podcast. You guys can follow us at MHH for me and for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also, guys, while you're at it, follow at Mile High Huddle pod, that's the greatest way, easiest way to follow along with what's going on at milehighhuddle.com, breaking news and analysis regarding your Denver Broncos, anything opinion-related, film breakdown, stuff like that. You're going to find it at milehighhuddle.com and at milehighhuddle on Twitter. Folks, also... If you're financially able to do so, huddleuppod.com is a great way to support the show. Um, great way to support uh, milehighhuddle.com, the Huddle Up Podcast Network, and everything. You get hats, t-shirts, uh, face masks, coffee, coffee cups. There's teddy bears, onesies for your babies. If you want something like that, anything to suit your fancy, huddleuppod.com is where you're going to be able to get that. And if you guys are not financially able to do so, with stars, donations, uh, super chats, going to the uh, to the merchandise website and whatnot. Three things you should be able to do, all at the bottom of the screen here. Number one, subscribe. Please subscribe to everywhere uh, that you get your podcast content, uh, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch. Subscribe to Mile High Huddle. Like every video you guys see, and if you love it, share it. Get it out in front of as many Broncos fans as possible because without your guys' support, we could not do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos, our Denver Broncos, actually, our Denver Broncos. Eric, with that, man, any last words? How excited are you to see actual football on TV? I'm getting ready to uh, log off of here. I'm going to go find whatever game is on because I can't wait to watch real football in action.
4: I mean, I'm super excited. I'm probably going to go. The wife is feeling a little ill, so I'm probably going to go check on her make dinner. But definitely going to be watching some football more throughout the night. And tomorrow, probably spending all day watching football before watching the Broncos play.
2: Yeah, that's pretty much what I'm going to do. I've got some yard work and stuff like that to do. Our garden has gone absolutely crazy, Eric. I know I sent some uh, pictures to you guys in the uh, group chat earlier today. I I picked like 30 jalapenos today and that. probably 25 bell peppers it's just absolutely insane so i'm gonna go take care of the garden a little bit do some yard work and stuff like that um but after that it's pretty much just chill with the kids watch some football and just enjoy the rest of the weekend so with that guys we have to say goodbye and thank you all again for joining us on the dove valley deep divers podcast you all stay safe take care have a great rest of your weekend and as always before we get out of here go broncos we'll see you guys the same time same place next week
3: You've been listening to the Huddle Up podcast. Join Broncos country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.
0: I'm Su Lin Wong, host of The Prince, a new podcast series from The Economist. It's about China's leader, Xi Jinping. He's the most powerful man in the world, but he remains a mystery. His story is hidden behind a brutal censorship and propaganda machine. After 10 years in charge, it looks like he'll break convention to stay on, perhaps for the rest of his life. I'll tell the real story of China's leader, the lessons he learned from watching his parents lose everything and from rising through the ranks of a vicious regime. Now, he's using those lessons to control over a billion people. He's changed China, he's changed my life, and the decisions he makes affect us all. To understand what's next, you need to know where he came from. Listen to The Prince from The Economist, wherever you get your podcasts. Not long
3: ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl, not anymore.